the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Welcome to Make It Clear. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host and president of Florida Bible College. I am so delighted that you could be with us today because I have a couple of good friends that I want you to know. These are people that really love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, and mind, and they love others, and a particular people group that they are called to, a very fascinating but an incredibly needy group. I want you to hear their story. Now, I know that for many of you, you're used to hearing me go through the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse because I'm an expositor. But you also know that from time to time, I like to bring before you, the listeners, special friends of mine that I believe could add value to your life and give you a new insight or a greater insight on the needs of people in the world, particularly for the gospel, but also how we bring the gospel to them in their needs and languages as well. And we have just such a couple like that today. So I want to welcome them to our program. Program. Uh, this would be Peggy and John Sperling, they're part of the Global Partners in Hope Ministry. And I'd like you to meet them just a little bit. They have a much focused ministry for mainland China. Those that have never gone and you read these kind of horror stories of what's happening to Christians there, you might like to know what has really happened from those who are from the outside that go inside China. To know that, you have to know their backstory. And I like to tell their backstory, and I like to know their backstory. So let's welcome John and Peggy to the program. John, Peggy, welcome aboard. Thank you. Well, great. First of all, tell us, um, before you had that passion for China, you had to come to faith in Christ. So tell us the story of how both of you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Just briefly, but let us know how you became a Christian. Well, I I believe, Stan, that both of us um, accepted Christ when we were small children. Uh, I was six and John was five. So we both understood, well, I did in Sunday school from a a teacher on on a Sunday and accepted Christ as my only hope to get to heaven, I understood the gospel quite clearly. And, and I was on the in the back seat of the car on the way home from a Sunday night service with my parents, and uh, realized that I uh, needed to have a relationship with Jesus, and that I could not earn my way to a relationship with Him at five years old. And of course, you know, as I matured, that that relationship changed, and, uh, and my understanding grew. But I believe that I was a part of God's family at five years old. That's interesting because some people think that children really can't know Christ at a young age. And I often say that if a child knows enough that he's not done something wrong, then he has the capacity to know that he needs a savior. And so we have to bring that to him. And if they know that, they can then trust Christ as savior. So I'm so grateful for those people in your life that knew the gospel and shared it with you. But, you know, some people think, whoa, did you meet at that age? Well, I'm sure not. But how did the two of you meet and fall in love? What's your little story about coming together <laughs> and not having a life ministry together? Tell me about that. 
Well, actually, we met on my front doorsteps. That's a, a quite the story. But I was um, in my house and needed to have a house painter. And John was an out-of-work uh, geologist when oil was out of Denver uh, in the early 80s. And he was painting houses. And so a mutual friend connected us. And that was how it started. That is great how the Lord brings people together because he's already had you in his mind before each of you were, were in your mother's womb. And so he had a plan for your life and getting saved was part of it and now coming together to have this kind of ministry. So how long have you been married? We've been married uh, just under 30 years. Well, I would say that you're ready to give advice now. You've now passed the test and you're out there to do that. And I appreciate that. But along the way, though, there was a calling. Something happened in your life where you sensed that you had need for more training in the Word of God, that something was happening, that you were going to do something for the Lord. Tell us about that experience. Well, uh, I was attending a youth ranch when I was 15 years old. Ralph Arnold was out here in Colorado. I had just returned from our family had moved to Canada and had moved back here. And uh, I like to say in some ways that my teenage rebellion uh, was Jesus because uh, my mom at that time, my parents had divorced and my mom was mad at, um, at God and at church. And so I used to kind of get in trouble. For, uh, going to church and it was worth it to me but so my teenage rebellion was Jesus if that makes any sense and and uh, then from there I had a strong desire I was told by by my mom and my grandfather if I would just go to a uh, secular college or university that they would pay but if I chose to go to the new uh, Colorado Bible College then they I was on my own and so I rebelled once again well, it was kind of a good rebellion, but on the other side of it, I'm sure that you had a wonderful witness to your family as you learned how to love them to Christ and to uh, let them know. And now as they look back, I'm sure that they could say, my daughter and even uh, her husband, son-in-law, have really given themselves to help other people and they're doing an honorable thing. I, I would hope that to be the case. John, how about you? What's your story? I grew up in a Christian and Missionary Alliance church and we had missionaries in the church frequently my parents had good friends who they went to college with who were missionaries and i never actually felt like god was calling me to be a missionary so uh <laughs> after uh living with peggy and being after we had been married for quite a while now that she started working full-time with global partners uh, I, and i had started working actually for another mission agency uh, it just became very clear that God had prepared me perfectly to do this work. My business experience, my education, uh, my bachelor's degree in geology, uh, an MBA, and all of the work experience that I have have just put me in a perfect position to do the job that I do in China right now. And, and I'm just amazed at the way God has brought all of those skills mm -hmm. and experiences together into a perfect place for me to be working right now. Usually what happens is that people really feel called to a group or a people group or a type of ministry, and then they find or they're led to a ministry itself that's reaching those people groups. So did you have a heart for the Chinese before you got involved in Global Partners and Hope, or was it that you were just serving with Global Partners and Hope and then China became an offshoot of it? So tell us about the China connection. Probably neither of those things. Um, <laughs> I was in a place where I was between... Um, Con ministry contracts. I had had a business for years, and then I did contracts with ministries. And, and God had uh, one morning shut the door, slammed shut on two opportunities that I thought were a sure thing. 
and for odd enough reasons that it was clear that he was protecting me from a situation or two. And and then I got a call on the same day from a gentleman I had worked with in another ministry who said, Hey, Peggy, our CEO, we're in a new organization. I've been working with Global Partners in Hope. He's going to be there next week. Would you meet with him? And as I met with this man who was just, we were both kind of indulging this friend of ours by meeting. He said, you know, I wasn't going to do anything with women or women's ministries or family in China. But after talking to you, I think God wants us to bring you on board. And within six more days, I had uh, a couple who offered to launch me in the in the ministry by providing our funding. So it was such a clear move of God that I felt like if I hadn't obeyed, I might be swallowed by a big fish. Well, we've always heard where God guides, God provides, right? And where God leads, God feeds. And he's done that. Now, tell me about China and what gave you a a burden for China. Now, in in audience, I just want you to know that this is not indicating that she doesn't care for the rest of the world, but everybody kind of picks out and God then leads to a particular Mm -hmm. know that. But what made you fall in love with the Chinese people so that you would want to help them, especially with the gospel? Well, I can jump in on that one because when Peggy first went, uh, I went along with her as kind of a vision trip when we first went to China. And I love to travel. And Peggy said about two weeks before the trip, you're not excited about this, are you? I said, I have no interest in going to China. I'm not, I don't even care at all, but I'm going because you're going. And then after we were there for about three days, I realized I love these people. I could live here. And it was just that quickly that God gave me a real drive and real passion for the Chinese people. You know, it's interesting because in scripture, it says Jesus looked upon the multitude and he was moved with compassion. And it was like he saw them and then he was moved. Now, that's how it was described, of course, by Matthew under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But it was like he saw their needs and he had a genuine looking at their genuine need. And then from that, he had a genuine desire to meet that need. The compassion came. And of course, the rest is history for us. So it sounds like it's similar with you, that you really saw them, saw what their needs might be. And God just kindled a unique love in your heart for them. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Yes. Well, folks, in case you're just tuned in, you're listening to Make It Clear. My name is Stan Pons. I'm the host here, president of Florida Bible College. And our guest today is John and Peggy Sperling. And they are directors in China for Global Partners and Hope. And we're beginning a part of our interview right now in the area of getting into China and what it was like and what did they see and what the needs were. So let's listen up as we hear some of those stories as well. So both of you now found yourself in China, at least visiting there. What began to frame the kind of ministry that you had then? And then we'll talk about if it's morphed into something else now. So what did you do then when you first arrived in China? Uh, it was it was um, it was me who had the initial um, job with Global Partners in Hope, and I was director of women's connections at that point. And now it's family because um, what I found was yes, the women were hungry and they would come. I every time you would have a group of people that that were coming to you, for example, in a a room one summer, a hot room, and the fourth floor of a Chinese department store, there was room for 20 and 45 came and there was no AC. There was one little fan and everybody was hot and they stayed all day. A little toddler had an accident in the corner um, and that didn't stop anybody. They all stayed in this hot room and 20 new sisters became part of God's family that day. So it, it just, 
began as a women's thing, but it became a family because the men would come as well. And then when John would come once a year at that time, he would end up doing some business things, then was hired two and a half years ago as the director over China, but also leading the business effort. Yeah. So one thing that Peggy didn't mention is that she was even doing a retreat at one time for a, (laughs) a church and a group of women. And the men wanted to come to the retreat. That's why uh, we realized that the men were just as hungry as the women, yes. and that's part of why Peggy's transitioned. But our organization was initially invited into China to help with family issues, with business leadership and ethics, and with English language. So uh, helping with the business part is where I stepped in then after a little while. That's very important because I see almost globally, including the United States, that one of the most untapped marketplaces for evangelism is the marketplace. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? that they're not really being reached, and yet they're wanting to learn how to do business, how to be leaders, managers, et cetera, but they don't know how, and yet the Word of God and the gospel, the whole dynamic of it, provides a different take on how to do this, a much better take. And so bringing that to them is is wonderful. But help us out now, especially for our listeners that may not be quite as familiar with China, Christianity, etc. So let's take it all the way back to where we are, not so much the history with Hudson Taylor as much, although that's fascinating. We should probably spend some time on that. But for this part, you have what is known as the underground church, the cell church that seems to get a lot of press, especially among uh, churches today, that that's the persecuted church. And then you have what is called the registered church, the registered church that has to register with the government. And they, there's an assumption that there's a whole lot of restrictions on them, but they can become a little bit more public and won't have quite the level of uh, persecution. So describe to our people, uh, what's the difference and what is it really like between those two different approaches to sharing uh, the gospel? Well, we have had more to do with the this what you're calling the cell church, or it's called the urban professional house church, or or whatever. Because in large part, the the big cities is, is where it's really flourishing. It starts out with people meeting in an apartment. You know, when they get too big, they split in order to grow. And and it looks different all over the place. There's some uh, unregistered churches that are quite large and have an office space and some that are small and they just meet and they continue to meet in that apartment. And everyone knows that recently one of those larger churches was shut down. Uh, it was while we were in China in September that this happened. And we we know a pastor and a pastor's wife from that that large church that has branches and the branches were all shut down as well. We've had more to do with that than we have with registered churches, although we do have a uh, contact there. And what's the distinction between the two? What would make them registered and what would why would they choose to not be registered? In many cases, the registered churches, the government can tell you who can pastor and what you can preach. Uh, the level of control is different, though, because, you know, it's just what we, we like to say that whatever you hear about China is probably true somewhere in China. That means that, and we've been to an unregistered seminar, uh, seminary as well. So you, you have everything. You have some that are tolerated. They have lots, of, lots more autonomy in the registered churches. Then you have some unregistered churches that have lots of autonomy and others that are scrutinized. So it's all over the board. I'm glad you said that because that is exactly right. What the listeners may not know is that my wife and I have been to China and we've dealt more with the red 
registered uh, churches there and schools and seminaries, et cetera. One is not really better than the other. It's just a different right. way. And sometimes you have to have a different approach to what you're right. doing. But what makes it so complex is the country of China is huge in landscape. And because of that, you have different emphasis from North China. You have a lot um, more of Islamic, more a lot more a tighter role, a lot more traditional, you know, communist effort. If you come from the south up, you're coming from Hong Kong up into Guangzhou and Shenzhen and all of that, and that has a lot more of a Western flavor. And it's been in Hong Kong was under England for so long, and it's such a different style now that they're they're bled back into the um, into the country. But even then, you had a little bit more freedom there, and so it's all over. And then it depends on what the government is in that area as it's attached to the larger government. And then you add whatever's going on in America can affect anybody who's an American there because the ch- the churches are then tied to what's the attitude with what's going on in the U.S. and probably other countries too. So what the Sperlings are now saying as a couple is that you, you kind of go in and you're serving the Lord. You're going to do what you can, where you're at for the glory of God, as far as you can go, knowing that, yes, there'll be some people that'll be watching you and things can change at any moment. In a way, even some of the American churches are registered churches in the sense that if you're wanting to provide tax receipts to people, then there are certain things you can say and can't say. Not a lot, not like China, so I don't want to make it it's apples and oranges, but it's still in the same fruit basket. So there are some things that you can and cannot do, including, you know, uh, zoning laws and all of that kind of stuff. So there is a little bit of that. Now, let me go back to the both of you. When did you start going to China? What basically year, decade was it when you first uh, got off the plane and you were in China? Or, the, or maybe this time you landed in Hong Kong or something. I don't know. So how did no, that go? We landed in, in Beijing and it was December of 09. It was on our anniversary, December 1st, as a matter of fact. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, that's wonderful. Now, since you've been going, how many trips have you made to China? I know you maybe more than John, maybe. I don't know. So tell me about well, how many it won't trips. be long and he'll catch up the way he's going. But uh, it's over 30. Probably, I think we're at 32, 35. Yeah, it's 35 trips. And well, I've been there seven times. I, I leave tomorrow and I'll be. it'll be my seventh trip this year. You enjoy flying, don't you? <laughs> We've learned how to do it. <laughs> I mean to tell you, and I, I look at folks like you, then you're traveling and the way you do it. We flew from Honolulu because that's where our ministry was. And even then, that was such an arduous trip for us. But I can only imagine what it's like from here. But back into going to China so many times, even though it's not hasn't been quite 10 years, it has been 30 times. And you've been in various places, maybe not all over China, but what have you seen from the first time you were there until now? What changes are you experiencing? Maybe with the church, and I say the church with a capital C, not little churches, right. but the, the Christians of China. What what have you seen change in the last 10 years? Our mission, our personal mission statement is that we we feel like God is allowing us to have a part in, in equipping what will be the greatest force for evangelism the world will ever see. The Chinese are passionately wanting to share the gospel. And the thing that has changed, there's always been more scrutiny on some groups than on other groups, but we're seeing that intensify in some areas. I I think, though, that it's just increased their passion. One pastor's wife said to me, we were in the U.S. for a year on sabbatical. We thought how nice it would be to just stay there. It's comfortable. We could just send money. And then she said, but I knew God called us back. Uh, And just in time, by the way, for their church to shut down. But she said, we needed this persecution. We got lazy. We thought, 
we can just buy a Bible online. We can go to church anytime. And now we are being awakened again, and we needed this persecution. And so you're sensing that there's a little more persecution recently or the same going on ever since you've been going? I know there's always been persecution, but has it stepped up anymore in the last few years? We really do believe it has intensified. Uh, it, has, it has gotten more. It, and it's, it's fascinating to see because it felt like when we first went in 2009, they were very, very passionate about the gospel and, and, and really their faith and maturing in their faith. And it did seem as though it kind cooled. of it cooled a little bit. But now this new uh, level of pressure from the government seems to be bringing some of that back. You know, I'm finding, too, um, that the women do, do step up first before the men. It seems like not only there, but in other countries. And so you see, when we teach in a seminary, there's far more women in there that are learning how to be ministers. And I've spoken in, I don't know how many churches that had women pastors, and that's not my theological persuasion at all. But that's where they are, and the people needed to hear the gospel, and the people needed to be trained. But when I see all of that, I also see that because they are linked to globalism, we might say, a religious Christian globalism, that they're getting all kinds of isms and spasms. They heard about the precious message of just the gospel alone. We're not talking about the sign gifts and all of that. That's another topic, another subject, but all that's spilling in with the signs and wonders. But what really concerns me is the gospel. Well, people say they're coming to Christ. Well, is the Christ of the Bible? Is it something you manufactured? How, how much, what does that mean coming to Christ? So why don't you explain to me, because you bring that message of the gospel. What, what is the message of the gospel that you bring to them when you go? And you're right, uh, Stan, there is a need for clear teaching um, and clear gospel presentation. There's definitely confusion when you talk to people who think that they have to do something to earn salvation. But we we explain very clearly uh, what is required. And one of the tools God has inspired us to um, kind of reintroduce in China is the colors to share the gospel, just like the colors of the wordless book we used to call it. And actually found out that Hudson Taylor used colors on a flag for open-air preaching to share the gospel. God laid on my heart to design a bracelet, which is now made in China. And when we when we share this, it's it's so much fun to share that the gold bead reminds us of heaven. Heaven is a perfect place where God lives. He wants us to be there. He said the streets are paved with gold. And the, the dark bead uh, reminds us of sin. Sin separates us from God. There can't be any sin in a perfect place. And yet God in his love for us sent Jesus. So the red bead reminds us of Jesus because he was the perfect sacrifice for our sin. He died to pay for the sin of the world, past, present, future, rose again, and said, if we simply believe, he that believes in me has eternal life. Uh, Then when God sees us, he does, once we've accepted him by our faith alone, in him alone, we are his child. When he sees us now, he doesn't see our sin. He sees us with the righteousness of God. So the the clean bead or the white bead represents that. And then there is a green bead that represents growing, that once we are his child, he wants us to grow in relationship to him, not to get to heaven, but because we're going there. And, and so that has been a tool that um, has been awesome to share. 
We have found that to be so helpful that when I would teach in the seminaries on preaching, we would call it making it clear to the guys, but the women would be there. I'd bring my wife up and I would say, now for you ladies that are especially going to present your messages, here's one way to do that. And she used those colors and we handed out those same bracelets type of thing. But going back to this, what I don't think our American people realize is that the Chinese people value color. That's a huge oh, yes. thing. And color has meaning to them. And when we re-mean, we redefine what that color is yeah. in light of the scripture, it just comes alive and they just gravitate to this. And they and, and it, it's kind of hard to make the gospel muddy if you use those kinds of illustrations. And so that's right. a lot out there. But you know what? We're running out of time. And I really, really want to have you back again. So we will be recording you. And I hope that our listeners can join us. In case, again, you just tuned in as we're closing our program down. My name is Stan Pons. I'm the president of Florida Bible College, as well as host of Make It Clear. Our guest today is John and Peggy Sperling. They're with Global Partners and Hope. And would you quickly give us the website? Because I know this has probably spurred a lot of folks to have interest and know what you're all about, what they can find out about you, and how to get a hold of you. So give them the website. Won't you do that? It is www.globalpartnersinhope.com. And we do have a business license to operate in China. And that's a wonderful thing. So they are vitally connected to the people in an appropriate way, but at the same time, they're vitally connecting them to help them become brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you'd like to know more about John and Peggy Sperling, be sure to go to their website, Global Partners in hope.com if you're interested in florida bible college where you can learn the word of god on campus or online locally nationally or globally then why don't you look us up at floridabiblecollege.com that's floridabiblecollege.com well until next time i trust that you have placed your faith alone in christ for the forgiveness of your sin knowing that it's not by works but by simple grace that he provides that salvation for you when you trust him for full forgiveness so god bless all of you thank you very much john and Peggy, until next time, God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.